Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Chad Metz and I's conversation about professional wrestling. This is not going to be an extended podcast stinger, no sir. This is going to be its own separate episode as we jump into our uh, discussion on CM Punk returning to AEW and making grown men cry. Grown men getting made fun of for crying at professional wrestling. And uh, we're also going to talk about the debauchery that was SummerSlam in Las Vegas. All of that and more are coming up on this edition of Wrestling Talk with Chad and Brian. But first, I want to give a shout out to our official sponsor, City Slice Pints and Pizzas, uh, 124 West Chime Street, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at the north gates of LSU. Uh, nothing says college like beer and pizza. So when you're chilling out and looking for a place to hang out and chill, uh, feel free to stop by the slice and grab a pint and make it a great day. That's City Slice Pints and City Slice Pints and Pizza, one twenty four West Chime Street, North Gates of LSU. Chad, there was an event that occurred in Chicago at the United Center. Your thoughts, sir, on the return of the best in the world at what he does? So while I was uh, waiting for our download tapping because I'm a, a bad editor and uh, pressed the wrong button while we we're recording our previous show. So while that was going on, I was watching uh, the director's cut of CM Punk's entrance at this uh, in Chicago, uh, which was the directors in the in the truck calling out you know shots and how we see the edits and stuff, and they are in that truck so hyped. For, for this particular event. It's my first time seeing uh, a, a wrestling production truck. I'm familiar with the setup. I've, I've seen it happen in other venues before, but this is the first time I've seen it like this. So I don't know if it's just these people, but it, it feels like it was because they knew what was going on. They knew the moment they were capturing, seeing a man that has not been in a wrestling ring. Well, if you listen to him tell it, he hasn't been in the wrestling ring since 2005 uh but has not been seen doing what is can be called wrestling or sports entertainment in uh seven years come back in his hometown to a promotion that would seem to be everything he would think is good about wrestling and saying that he's coming back and he's going to be here for the long haul it's not going to be a part-timer he's here to to build this thing in front and behind the camera and everything that he has, he has meant to wrestling in the last 10 years, all coming to a head because we never, he said, I'm done. I'm never doing this again. And at the time he said it, he meant it. And he meant it specifically. He said specifically with the company left, uh, WWE, he said he was never going back. And they were the only game in town. So we thought, you know, he's he's a surly dude and he he stays to what he says. There's no way we're going to see him wrestle again. But now that there is a legitimate, another option, he came back and that, I don't know exactly what's going to happen over the next, you know, year or so, but this feels like a monumental moment for people that like wrestling. Uh, for people that have put, have kind of made punk into what 
they think wrestling should be. And to see that come back, it means something extra special. Uh, I, I don't know what it's going to hold for the future, but for this night, it was uh, probably one of the most special things that I've seen happen in a wrestling venue. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind uh, was two was there were two two wrestling events that came to my mind. One was Hulk Hogan's turn from the red and yellow to the black and white in WCW, and what that meant, what that signaled for what was going on behind the camera and in front of the camera, and the way the trash was being thrown, and the American icon turning his back on America, and all the all the rest of the things. It was death of Superman all over again. <laughs> Um, the other was an event that was more closely tied uh, to my time. Um, so I started watching wrestling in specific WWE slash F on February the 14th, 1999. I listened to the great, to the uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view. The first match I ever listened to was Bob Holly versus Al Snow um, with a pin in the Mississippi River. And I was hooked from there. Um, I, it was the night Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, made his debut in WWE. Um, and from there, I was hooked. But when I started and I came into WWE, Shawn Michaels was the commissioner. I had heard all kinds right. of things. I had heard all kinds of things about who Shawn Michaels was. I heard about DX. But for me, DX was something Triple H did. That was Triple H's gang. That was Triple H's boys. Um, for me, it was Austin, it was Rock, it was it was Mankind, it was Taker, it was Kurt Angle, it was all these different people, um, Bradshaw, Farouk, uh, Bob Holly, Al Snow, um, Ken Blackman, Ken Shamrock, you know, these guys, that was what I had in mind was professional wrestling. I'd heard about, about HBK, but all I really seen him do was be commissioner and tell some bad jokes and come out and throw some major curveball changes when we're when needed right uh wrestlemania 15 being one of them where he he kicks Vince out um but i didn't know who Shawn michaels was and then 2003 happens and he gets medically cleared in an edge kind of way and we get that SummerSlam match between him and trips and the sledgehammer and all the stuff that they tell that story so beautifully in that ring. And then I get the gift of five or six more years of Shawn Michaels when I never thought I'd get to see Shawn Michaels in a ring. Cause all I was told was he had a back injury that ended his career. You know, uh, when take, when triple H, when, uh, Shawn in, is on his way to the ring for his, uh, match against taker at 25, JR says, you know, the, rest, the history books says that Shawn Michaels won that casket match against The Undertaker, but it cost Shawn four years of his career. Did did Shawn really win that match? You know, it, it, it was that, that was what I was always told. And so to see him in a ring um, was something very emotional and, and impactful for me, even, even if it was a quote-unquote unsanctioned match and he was in jeans. It's what made him recapturing the WWF championship after all these years at an elimination chamber means something to me because I got to feel that and attach that in a way that people older wrestling fans than I could. And the thing is, that's what this moment is. This is a guy no one thought would ever set foot in a ring again. 
setting foot in a ring young enough to where you can still give good years. I mean, I think him uh, and uh, what's what's Ari, uh, what's the kid's uh, name that he's going to go off against uh, in September? Uh, uh, Darby Allen. Dar- Darby Allen. Okay. You watch some Darby Allen matches on YouTube. Guy's very young, very high flying, very athletic. And you get this, this sense of who Punk was. And you're intrigued of, is that guy still there? And the fact that I'm going to get to see that, I'm going to get to find out if this guy can still go. And I can, and I may get five more years of him when I thought I was going to get none. That's what motivated me and excited me. But the other thing that excited me was younger fans who were in elementary school when CM Punk was dropping pipe bombs uh, promos in 2011 are now grown adults. And they're going to get to see Punk really for the first time in their life in a healthy, mature storytelling way. And that's the exciting prospect for me is that you've got a new generation of fans who are going to fall right in love with CM Punk. And that's going to help them fall in love with AEW, fall in love with AEW's type of product and propel AEW in the way that Hogan, Nash, Hall, uh, Bret Hart, Goldberg, uh, you name the former WWF star that transferred over to WCW did 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, I want to hold off on 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 going that far with it. I I do think it's going to be impactful. Um, it's just I think it'll be different. Um, because the, the, there are a lot of similarities to make between you know what WCW did with OWWE talent and what AEW is doing is going to do because we know you know Punk is the biggest name so far, but he's certainly not going to be the last. Not with um, Daniel, not with Daniel's Danielson as a free agent, and not with Samoa Joe as a free agent, and Braun Strowman as a free agent, all with no compete clauses. Uh, is Samoa Joe a free agent? I don't I think mean, he... not, not, not not Samoa Joe. Uh, you mean Adam Cole? I, no, no, I was thinking about Bray Wyatt. Oh yeah, Bray, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, so the the, I mean, the rumors are um, Bray Wyatt. Uh, Brian Danielson, uh, and as of as of Sunday night, Adam Cole is a real free agent. Uh, the talk is that he's going to go there too. So there is going to be, and then you add in the guys that are already there, like Mark Henry, Big Show, uh, current ch- uh, Impact Champion Christian. Uh, I, you can count Jericho, but I really kind of don't. But it's a it's a big gathering of former WWE talent there. And it's going to be easy to jump, draw, draw that comparison to what EC, what WCW did when they were going into their high start with the outsiders and all the other guys they got from, uh, from Vince. Uh, but I, I, I don't, I don't know. AEW is still playing catch up, but they're catching up fast. Whereas WCW was there, I mean, they were kind of equals and then WCW like pulled away for a while and then Vince caught up. Um, they still have to close the, they have to close the gap some more. And I, I know they get over with like real wrestling fans. Uh, 
And that's good because they need to, you need your bread and butter, you need your, your fans. They need to build in that base like WWE has that people that are going to show up no matter what, no matter good, no matter bad, they're just sticking there with you. AEW's thing is, we're not going to make you, we're not going to give you bad, a whole lot of bad. They're going to be bad because, you know, everybody has bad, but we're going to give you wrestling that you want. We are clearly different from those other guys. So come over here and watch the wrestling with us. So if they can keep that up, keep, keep up the consistency and the, the, the quality of everything they're doing with these guys and, and continue to build new people, which is a big problem for WWE, and don't just rely on those old stars, but continue to build new people with those stars, then I think it'll be different than what it was before because they'll be built, they will still, they'll be, they'll have the foundation of those old stars, but building to the future and continue to build to the future, which is what the biggest knock people would have on WWE right now. And if you go back and you listen to the Broken Skull sessions, you'll hear you'll hear Jericho talk very specifically about how those conversations happened from the very start of AEW and how Jericho, of all people, knows there are things you need if you're going to be a successful competitor in that marketplace and making sure that Tony Khan understood um, that uh, and that, you know, they were going to be given everything that they needed and, you know, I, I agree. It's going to take time. You never judge things in a snapshot of time. But as the as the guys on the busted open radio were saying yesterday, this kind of just feels like the, the ground is shaken and like the earth is moved. Like we have way more choices now in alternative to WWE than we did five years ago. And, and I think that choice is ultimately a great thing. But I think that AEW is the leader in the pack because of their TV contract because of the star power that is attached to them and the money that's behind And I think that Punk showing up and other people coming behind him, rising tide lifts all boats, and it's going to be interesting. If they can end up catching Raw in terms of ratings, they're not going to have any choice but to acknowledge them as competition. Now, Darby Allen versus CM Punk in Chicago. Um, are they going to put Punk over? Or are they going to put their guy over? And, uh, you know, what's and what is the... What is the plan for Punk going forward? Is it to to build other guys up and to put over the guy, other guys over, or is it to show up and work his way to a championship match against Kenny Omega that would literally burn any any place down? I think that I I know I just said all that about building new stars and build to the future, but it's Punk's first match back in seven years. He's got to go over. There's there's no other way around that, and. Uh, you probably do want to build to a match with Kenny Omega. For, is it for the title or not? You know, who knows? But uh, for right now, um, you, you have to build new stars. You have to continually build new stars. Uh, but Punk is just coming back. So he's going to, he's got to get these wins. Uh, he'll probably get these wins. Darby Allen, you know, he's a new guy. Um, He'll probably get the rub even by losing the punk, but a lot of what in I think the build to punk and and Kenny Omega, it'll be filled with 
probably older guys that Punk's gonna have to give the win over. But it's he he's got a he's gonna win for a while, and then then you can progress with the uh, the younger guys after he gets his uh, he's established himself again after the seven year layoff. And what were your thoughts on the promo itself? Um, you know, it. I don't know if it's like the best, but it was it was good. I, knowing that it's Punk and it's his first time, a lot of people are seeing him in seven years, um, and he's back in AEW. You just kind of think that he's going to be. He's going to take shots at uh where he came from because he took shots at them while he was there. He damn sure took shots when he really like when he first got out. So yeah, that was that was my first thought was nothing he said Friday night was anything different from what he said on the Cole Cabana podcast seven years ago in the immediate aftermath. And we all know Vince's Vince's position on pro wrestler. He thinks it's an offensive term. Yeah. So well, so I mean, I I like the promo. I think he, you know, he. He said he when he came out there that he did not um he didn't write anything down. Yeah, he he wanted to come out and be in the moment, and you could tell he was. And and that showed nothing at work because uh, he was going off of the crowd. So he gave he gave everybody a little bit of what they wanted. We wanted his his surliness over at WWE. He did it without saying the name, but he also signify what he saw in AEW and uh and I noticed this when I when when it happened on Friday night the first thing he said when he came out there he put over Britt Baker he put over their women's champion uh to to people that are just coming into AEW just to see punk the first to, for them the first thing for them to hear is him putting over somebody they don't even know um so now once she does show up, they're like, oh, this is the person that, that Punk talked to. That even that little thing, putting over somebody, uh, putting over somebody uh once he came in the door, I, I thought that was a sure sign of what what he feels right now. He's really, he's really feeling he's really happy. He really believes in the place he's in now. So um yeah, I I think we'll and as he said, you know, this is, he's here for the long haul. So you get a little bit tonight. We're going to keep getting more stuff, but it, I think it was a good, it was a good promo for the first night. Uh, and it really fed off of what the crowd was giving him. So, yeah. Indeed. Now, Chad, let's move on to the debauchery that was SummerSlam. The thing that happened in Vegas, and I got to see some of it, some of it I didn't see because Peacock is still not great. Uh, when did you start? Uh, about seven fifteen. Okay, so you started in like in the middle of the first match, uh, I think. And I don't. And to tell you how this show went, okay, I remember what the first match is, but I had to think about it. Uh, it was Orton and uh, Orton and Riddle against. Almost an AJ, right? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I actually missed most of that match. So I did not see them win the titles, but you know. Matt Riddle, otherwise known as The Miz, 15 years ago. Oh, no, no. He's better than Miz. Oh, in a ring, yes, at the time. But characterization-wise, yes. So let's talk about the three big returns and how each one it went over for you and the impact that they're going to have and, and if they move the needle for you. First, let's start with, in order, uh, the return of Becky Lynch to the WWE in a way that screwed over the African-American champion once again. Oh, so you want to start with the one that pissed me off the most. Okay, all right. I see how this goes. Uh, but it is chronological, so you are allowed to do this. All right. Um, so I hated everything about this. Every single solitary thing about this. Um, the fact that, you know, I'd, I'd heard starting earlier that day, that Bianca was not going to be in the match, and then you mean uh, you mean not Bianca uh, uh, Sasha. Sasha. The so, Sasha. So a bit of background there. I we had started hearing in the professional wrestling community starting last Monday night that they were being pulled from house shows. They were supposed to do two house shows over the weekend last the, the weekend before, and they were pulled from both. And they were just told that they couldn't. They announced that they, the two girls couldn't compete. And generally, house shows are where you work out the program that you're going to run at the pay-per-view. So you get test crowd reactions and things like that. Very, very rare do you see a pay-per-view match that hasn't been test-driven, quote-unquote, at a house show. And the fact that they kept pulling them off the house shows and still saying they're going to do the match uh, was kind of an indicator that something major was up. Yeah, so... Uh, we still don't know exactly what the deal with Bianca is. There is speculation. Um, I'm not really going to get into, but no matter what, um, she was not going to be in the match. Now, yeah, from, Sasha was not going to be in the match. Yeah. Now, what, after the fact, what uh, from you know from Dave Meltzer, they he was like they knew she wasn't going to be in this match for over a week. Like when they started pulling them from our shows, they knew that Bianca would not be in that match. Sasha. I mean, Sasha. I keep saying Bianca. That Sasha was not going to be in that match. And I say that, they knew that for eight days. Now, I say that knowing that when this match started, it started with a big, long, 10-minute long video package detailing this feud. And they, and, and it was like this whole, the whole way they handled this about her not being in there is just so unforgivable to me. It's like, if they would have done any, if they would have just been honest and said that she can't, they don't have to say why, just say that she can't compete. And we don't, and hell, say that Bianca's gonna have a mystery opponent come SummerSlam. Okay, fine. So you didn't build up this match that you know you're not giving people. So, and I think if they do that, then they don't do what happens next, which is send Bianca up there. And then in the middle, of the ring say that Sasha cannot compete uh, and then and and know that that's going to be deflating to the crowd. Uh, I have to give Bianca credit. She sold it well, like she didn't know this and was really disappointed and whatnot. But then they send out Carmella, who she had just wrestled the previous night and beat her in three minutes. 
And the whole purpose of sending out Carmella was because they knew that fans would be so deflated by seeing Carmella come out there. What happened next would give them even more hype, which was the return of Becky Lynch. When they sent Carmella out there, I'm like, okay, Becky's coming. Fine. I get it. Uh, now, the, the only question to me was, is she coming to save Bianca or is she coming to challenge Bianca? At which point I'm like, if she challenges Bianca, she's going to win the title. I wouldn't have liked that, but I would have understood that being the case. And that's exactly what happened. They tossed out they tossed out um, um, Carmella and Bianca, I mean, Becky challenged Bianca to the women's, the women's title. Now, the way this played out is what makes it so egregious. In the if, time. Yeah, if, if, this, if she would have challenged her and they actually had a match and she beat Bianca, I don't think anybody would have said a word. Everybody would have understood. Becky's coming back off a long layoff. Uh, it's the belt. Yeah, we, we, we didn't get the match we were promised. This is a big surprise, a big return. Of course, she has to win the belt. No harm, no foul. It, it sucks for Bianca, but we understand where we are in the moment. But for, the, but for them to have Becky essentially sucker punch Bianca and pin her in 26 seconds, the, the, your baby face champion that won the Royal Rumble and gave the best babyface promo ever, ran that babyface gamut all the way to WrestleMania, and she's had the title ever since. And it's been, it has been hamstrung by the fact that she's only had two opponents and both of them only had two good opponents and both of them had had to leave within their feud with Sasha and Bailey, who she went super long with anyway, but was supposed to keep going. But Bailey got hurt, so she's got she's left with beating Carmella every week, and just the whole optics of it to to you like you build her. She was the first part of half of the first black women headlining WrestleMania. I understand it's, it's Becky Lynch, but to have her lay down for. 26 at the 26 seconds to Becky Lynch is a slap in the face to all of all of her fans, all of Sasha's fans, and just all of the black people in general. Like we this is the value we have for you. None that we can be thrown away just as easily. Uh so it's not about losing the title, it's about the way that they went about having her lose the title, which is the entire problem. And I don't know. I don't think the people in charge understand that at all. It was bad booking. Uh, first of all, if you're going to achieve that end, the way that you do it is that you have Sasha cut. If, if you can't, got to have either Sasha cut a promo or you've got to acknowledge the fact that Sasha can't go on Friday Night SmackDown, announce Carmella as the replacement, and then have Becky Lynch old school style uh, beat up. Uh, uh, Carmella behind stage and she's cutting a promo and then walk out to the ring and challenge Bianca Belair like you gotta do something because the amount of time that it took it was an awkward awkward thing for like the beats of that like they didn't bring out Carmella super quickly Becky Lynch takes a super long time getting to the ring because she's soaking up her moment um, she takes a little too a little bit too much time getting 
getting Carmella taken out. Mm-hmm. And then they are delayed in starting the bell for the actual match. And then just as quickly as the match starts, it ends. And so the first thing, so all of that was super awkward, super bad booking. If you have a week to figure this out, you need to get the beats down a lot better than that. The other thing, too, is it reminded me of Daniel Bryan. A lot of people were training with Kofi. It reminded me of Daniel Bryan. And then at the beginning of, of the WrestleMania 31, I think it was in in, uh, in Santa Clara, where he lost to uh, Sheamus in, in like 16 seconds or something. Mm-hmm. Like Daniel was on a high. Daniel was over with the crowd. Daniel was a great intercontinental champion. He was a great underdog story. And then threw him away in 16 seconds for Triple H's workout buddy. And it took a literal internet movement two years later or three years later for, you know, him to get his moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that was 29. That was what, what that was that 28 or 29 where Daniel lost to Sheamus. 30 is the mat is the year that he wins the championship. But he was with, it was that time period when Daniel was with AJ Lee. Uh-huh. I think it's, uh google tells me i think it's 27 yeah that would because that was that's right it was in miami it was it was in miami the night of taker sean and and triple h in the cell so that's 27 then you know three years later he does this thing at 30 but like that's the thing that i thought of when i saw the the loss that and of course kofi just being demolished by by uh, uh rock, rock on the first, yeah. first smackdown of, of on fox yeah, then yeah, then you combine that with a lot of people they they did that whole thing where they equated this to Kofi. And I don't think it's quite the same thing. Um, I don't like it with Kofi either, but with Kofi, Kofi had been around for a while. So and it's Brock. Yeah, I, I kind of get it. It was it was a ratings thing. Like they they needed the shock and all moment to end their first ever raw on uh, their first ever SmackDown on Fox. And the network was demanding a big main event and that was the main event that they could give them at the time and that so it was done for a ratings purpose this this was done for the same reason that the undertaker lost the streak to to show uh to um Elizabeth. the undertaker lost the streak to brock it was vince needed a shock and all moment that wanted to be a wrestlemania moment guaranteed didn't realize didn't care about the fact that they had daniel bryan beating triple h and batista and 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 orton you know beating all of evolution in the same night to win the championship. He didn't think that was a good enough WrestleMania moment. So he, he cooked this up. It was the same way. Uh, you know, I need Sasha Banks. Isn't going to be in the match. We're not going to be able to have this rematch. We promised everybody, but we still need a big star, a big star. We still need a big name. We still need a big SummerSlam moment. So this is what we're going to do. And it wasn't planned very well. It wasn't executed very well. And it was driven by a desire to just have a pop. Yep. That's, that's all it is. And that is a piss poor reason to to do anything, especially something of this magnitude. If you're going to do something of this magnitude, planning is required. What's the plan? They don't know what that is. So, Chad, let's take uh, let's go to the next big return that we got. We got Goldberg returning to face uh, to face uh, 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 Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship in a match where. Goldberg had to commit the cardinal sin that I hate in any wrestling match: gimmicked, worked injuries. 
your thoughts are on a man who can barely perform as it is having to sell a leg injury against Bobby Lashley for 20 minutes. Let, let me, I'll make two points that I'll tell you everything about how people felt about this match. Um, my daughter walked in at some point, uh, it was yesterday when they were showing replays of this match and she watched, the, it was a replay of Bobby and, and Goldberg and when she saw the screen, the first thing out of her mouth is, why is that old man wrestling? She knows nothing about anybody else on the screen, but she just saw these two guys. It was like, why is that old man wrestling? Two, while watching this, while watching this match, I fell asleep in the middle of this match. You pulled um, the Transformers, Chad? I, I did. I did. I don't know. I wasn't out that long because I did see uh, the end with the, the selling of the leg, but there's like five minutes of this match. I have no idea what happened because it just put me to sleep. I thought I was going to, I didn't think I'd make it for the, the main event. I thought, I thought I was just that tired. No, no, this one just put me to sleep. So uh, I, I don't really have any, any good things to say about this. It's, you know, it's, it's Goldberg. He's old. He should not be doing this. He can still he can still do enough to be, you know, uh, serviceable. But he the man retired the Undertaker because he almost killed him in a ring. <laughs> yes, because he should not be doing this. He's he's I don't want to say he's too old, but he's past the point of doing this, particularly with your heavyweight champions, especially if your heavyweight champions are going to be the behemoth, the behemoths that Vince wants. Like if he came back to fight, you know, a lower. Matt Riddle. Yeah, something like yeah, something like that. Somebody you can throw around. Yeah, that works. These big guys, it's not working out for, for, for Bill. And we need to all recognize that and call it a day. But they're not going to because they're going to have a rematch because um because Bobby killed Bill's son, <laughs> which you know, kudos to that kid for for being a Take part of it. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I should give him too much too many kudos because He's 16 years old. He's already brought half of his football team to be on TV with him at Raw. And he got to be part of a major angle in wrestling. I know his dad is Goldberg, but still people in school have to kind of respect that a little bit. Uh, so he comes out winning all the way around. He he won a whole lot more than the rest of us had to watch this match. Uh, Bobby needs to kill Bill in the, in the rematch kill him in like two minutes and be done with this thing. Just, just end it. So that leads us to our next and final return, the return of John Cena, uh, AKA peacemaker to the WWE to face uh, current and defending undisputed WWE universal champion, uh, Roman Reigns and your thoughts on the match. And then the post match. My concern with this match was that uh, because Cena had been working house shows, but he's only been working tags and he's only been coming in, doing his moves, winning the match and leaving. So, you know, like only like a minute's worth of work. And I knew this match was going to go at least 20. So my concern was that, you know, Cena would, Cena would get gas. Cena wouldn't be able to, to hang. Um, so I have to give them credit for the way they laid that match out because it started off really slow, really methodical. And then picked up towards the end, and it was a pace 
by doing that, I think it was done in a pace. So Cena could um, could stay ahead of it. And he did. He looked good. And again, the match was slow to begin with, but it really picked up at the end. I really enjoyed the match. Uh, I think Cena did exactly what he needed to do. He came, he came down, brought his star power with him, uh, had a few of the biggest guy in the company, uh, made it a, a, I would say kind of a hot feud as it were uh, to main event, uh, to main event SummerSlam. And then he did what he should have done. He's going to be gone until WrestleMania. He put that guy over a guy that has been on his own personal role ever since going changing to a heel. And this feels like another, another step in his development. The, the only problems I really have with it is what's on the other side of it for Roman, but that's not here nor there in this time, in this place. I enjoyed John Cena for everything he did. And I think the match went the way it should have gone. He should have lost. And despite the best shirt in all of the evening. Yes. When uh, his, his, his entrance, his new entrance uh, graphic and that shirt made me want a John Cena shirt for the first time. Well, not the first time. Uh, all of his video game shirts have been amazing to me, and I want those. Uh, so the Super Mario 3-1 was awesome, and I, I really loved it. And that brings us to the end of the match, the the setup for Roman's next next guy. Um, Who I've which, seen him wrestle already a couple of times in person. Oh, and you mean forever and in, in any time? Yeah. So Brock came back and it's clear he's going after Roman. It, it is clear that he's going after Roman, but is he also going after a deer on a tractor in a farm somewhere? Because uh, homeboy, homeboy grew himself a COVID beard there. COVID beard, uh, a, very, a very impressive COVID beard and a very inco- and, and impressive COVID mullet while he was doing things with he's, Sable under the sheets. He's got the uh, the top knot mullet, the top knot ponytail going. Uh, so looking spectacular particularly a particular brand of backwoods form boy. Uh, and my favorite part about all this is that because it's Brock back, that means automatically the centerpiece of this view is Paul Heyman and Paul's and Paul, you have to just watch Paul anytime he's on camera, even when he's not doing, even when the camera's focused on the wrestlers, just watch Paul because his face tells you everything. And the minute Brock's music hit, he's like, oh, shit, what is this? And well, Roman immediately looks at him and is like. And, yeah, and, and, and Paul's like, I don't, I didn't do this. I, I don't know. And he's just freaking out because he's trying to figure out what his move is. And the current story with him and Roman is that, you know, he is the advocate for Roman. But just watch Paul when he comes out with Roman. He, hold, he, he comes out holding the belt. He hands the belt to Roman for Roman to interact with it. The minute he hands the belt to Roman, just watch Paul because his eyes never leave the belt. The belt gets on Roman's shoulder, goes in Roman's hands. He raises it high. Paul is just there. So the belt is everything to him in this feud. So what's it going to be for Paul? Is he going to stay with this version of Roman? Is he going to go with Brock now that they've created a, a – story they can tell between those three and i completely trust all three of them to tell the story 
I just don't like what the story is probably going to get told. Uh, but, you know, it was fun to see Brock. Is, and we didn't get to see him kill Cena when the show went off the air, but that's what happened. He destroyed Cena to emphasize that bye-bye summer Cena. But, um, but yeah, my, my overall issue with him is not really an issue with him. It's an issue with two of the three appearances we had tonight. And the fact that in order to go against the, the guys they've been building in their company, their champion guys, they have to go to their past to pick out guys to, that are larger than life guys to challenge these guys because both of their, he's booked both of the champions to the point that it's almost unbelievable that anybody on the roster, save for Drew McIntyre, can beat either one of these guys. And really, Drew can only beat Bobby. They, they told us last year, Roman is the champion of champions when he beat Drew. He calls Drew the lesser champion and then beat him. So Roman is way up here. Bobby is like right here. Drew is right underneath Bobby. And then there's this big cavern, cavern of people that are in the company right now that can challenge for those top belts. So that's why they keep bringing people in. But you only have those people for so long. There's only so many of them you can come in. They have to build guys and they have yet to do it. That being said, Chad, where does this feud lead? Uh, my theory is that, that we are creating a three stages of hell for our champion Roman Reigns to endure before he gets to WrestleMania in Dallas. Um, and if you follow that line of thinking that he's gone through John Cena, he's now going to go feud with Brock Lesnar, and then the end game is going to be to feud with with uh, with Rock um, in April. So, where does the match with Brock take place? Is it Night of Champions? Is it going to run this thing all the way to Survivor Series with him meeting other people like what's what's the deal going to be there and like if if you complete the feud with uh, Brock in one one month what do you do for October November and December to get you to the Rumble and who do you do with the Rumble okay so uh, you listed off all these events but you left one out you left out their blood money event the uh, what's it called? The crown jewel uh, that takes mm-hmm. place in October. I think that's where we're going to get. I think that's where we're going to get the Goldberg rematch. I think that's where we're going to get the Brock match. We're going. They're going to give them those big matches over there. Wish they advertised that pay per view on SummerSlam, whereas they didn't mention Night of Champions or whatever their September pay per view is going to be. Yeah, they. Yeah, after they did the whole screw job with uh, Bianca Belair, the next thing they showed was. Crown the advertisement for Crown Jew. So nice way to rub in how you don't care about people, WWE. Typically but, women. Yeah. So I think that's where you get those rematches. Um, now, what happens after that for Roman? That's a good question. That's where not building these guys come in. However, um, there still is the fact that Big E still has that, uh, that briefcase. Contract. Yeah. And he's got to use it before next. I mean, he's got to tell next July, but he's, I would imagine he uses it before like WrestleMania. I mean, not WrestleMania, uh, Royal Rumble. So there is, he is one challenger and he's probably going to be the challenger that actually 
beat Roman if he challenges Roman because he has the briefcase. And you don't, I, I know they've buried it before, but I don't think they'll bury it with B. But I also think that means he has a, a super short title run because he's going to drop it before Roman has to go face, uh, presumably, The Rock at WrestleMania. Uh, so that is probably what between Crown Jewel and the Royal Rumble, that's probably what Roman's fate is. Uh, if he drops the title, you know, let's say he, I mean, he beats he beats Brock, but clearly he's taken out. And since they like to give, it seems like they want to give the Saudis a show. It will probably be something for them to, to have the money to bank cash and happen on that night where Big E can beat Roman at that point. And then he's champion until Royal Rumble if they want to do it as how I would do it to give him a run so he can face Roman a few times Roman have to go face somebody else for like a month come back put away Big E but who, who knows you know we're dealing with the E so Big E could run it at the Saudi event and then lose it the next night on Raw or next night on Smackdown that's how they uh, go the thing is for me last I heard was the, the rumored booking was Rock and uh, a partner versus uh, versus Roman and one of the Usos in a tag match, similar to the R Truth and Rock versus uh, Cena and whoever at Survivor Series that year. That you would use Survivor Series as a prep. You would be at the Rumble, be at Elimination Chamber, and then be at at Mania. That that would be the plan. And remember when they did their thing with Punk, set something up in July, paid it off in January. And then he, he went on his run. I don't know that they're going to do the same thing this time, but it'd be pretty interesting. I, I kind of am leaning more toward Biggie giving, uh, taking it out on Lashley, but that's just because I think Vince is overtly like, let's put the black guys against each other. Um, so we'll see. Yes, we shall. I think that that is an astute thing to, to think to. Um, it's the Rock's 25th anniversary of his debut. And we both know what happened when it was Taker's 25th summer Survivor Series um, because he also debuted at Survivor Series. And they, they made a big to-do over, over Taker that particular night. So I think they're going to do the same thing with Rock. See, that would be that would be a good time to take the belt off of Roman. So if he does have to interact with the Rock, then like it's, it's just interacting with the Rock. And, and people won't kind of miss the title. Uh... But who knows? And really and truly, if they're going to do that, I would I would just have them rock and whoever face the Usos themselves with Roman coming out and having some hand in the match and then build it from there. Indeed, we will see. So that'll about do it for this week's episode of Wrestling Talk with Chad and Brian. Uh, you can follow us on, on Twitter. I am at BCW, at BCW Tiger Fan. And at the Mess Theory. Thank you very much and have a pleasant evening.